Welcome back. I'm Similana, and this is Judaism from Within. Looking at Judaism from its standpoint, meaning looking at the commandments in the Torah from its perspective, from its point of view, taking its goals into account, rather than looking at it from an external framework. And we're going through the Chukim, the statutes, the ones that are classically harder to understand, that often Jewish thinkers would say that there is simply no reason, or they're known as irrational commandments. That isn't something we're going down, that's not a road we're going to pursue. We're going to try and appreciate the commandments in the Torah from a point of view that makes sense, that we can, the way I always phrase it to my students, that you could actually explain to someone in the office next door to you who doesn't share your assumptions. Now, last week we did the first one, which was the idea of not wasting, or our relationship to the environment and how we treat it. In this, we're doing the next stage. But the next stage, in a way, is, I suppose you could call it more uh, emotional. And what I mean by more emotional, not the content of the mitzvah, it's the relationship we have to it. We're talking about kalayim, shatnas, boss of a chalav, and in English, mixing of threads, mixing of seeds, mixing milk and meat. These are the commandments that people often have a lot of issues with, meaning when they're looking into Judaism and they're confronted with these commandments, it often makes them squirm a little bit. And what I mean by that is that they find it very difficult to articulate a reason from a modern standpoint. How would you articulate why I shouldn't mix certain threads together? I think the the most potent expression of this in my childhood was when I, I think was watching a, um, a TV show called West Wing. And when the it was an American TV show, it was quite popular at the time, um, where the president of America was confronted by an evangelical Christian, and he was attacking her for her biblical literalism. The, the, the attack he made was made a lot of sense, considering who he was speaking to, but one of the ideas that he sort of laid at her feet was that, should I go and have my brother stoned for mixing seeds together? Should I have my wife taken away for wearing a jacket with both wool and linen embedded within it? And it was it was a polemic against the Bible, the childish nature of biblical text, the primitive nature of the biblical worldview. And it, it really hit home when I was a kid. I, I listened to that and I was like, sheesh, like, yeah, that is a bit, little bit weird. From a modern standpoint, it's difficult to incorporate these commandments into any sort of framework. That's what we're going to do this week. We're going to do it in two parts. Next week, we're going to develop it in detail. But this week, we're going to develop the opening or the perspective or the framework that we're going to take to understand these commandments. So what are we talking about? We're talking about the mixing of things. Now, for Rav Shamshin Rafal Hirsch, this really is the second calling that we are invited to adopt. We've we've been we've been commanded in the first sense to respect the world around us, not to waste, not to take advantage of the natural world by the fact that you are a person of a higher moral and intellectual consciousness. You are supposed to take responsibility for the world around you, but now that responsibility and that perspective is given a new dimension. The first, I suppose, paradigm shift we have to take is appreciating how this commandment comes up in the Tyra. And the classic position is in Vayikra. And Rav Hirsch points out, and this is why I call it the moral dimension of Kalayim, is because when it comes to mixing threads, it seems to be completely disconnected from our moral experience. We often look at morality and the doing of the pursuing of the good as being central to a Jew's perspective in the world. We see Rav Hirsch marry those two in his approach to Kalayim. 
What Rav Hirsch does is says appreciate the context in which Kalayim emerges in the Torah. Kalayim emerges in the context of just telling you not to pursue revenge. That's in Parashas Kedoshim, not to pursue revenge and to love your neighbor like yourself. It then transitions naturally into the Chayk of Kalayim. For Rav Hirsch, this is very telling. Because he sees a pattern, a narrative being played out here that allows us to understand the nature and the goal of Kalayim. What are Kalayim? Kalayim is how we perceive the natural world, that things don't mix, species don't interbreed with each other. Now, we're not talking from an evolutionary standpoint. We're we're talking about from how they appear to us, how they emerge in the world to us. Species of animals, species of plants have their separate ways, have their frameworks. And what does Rav Hirsch tell us? Rav Hirsch tells us if we take into consideration the commandments that precede, what is the Torah telling us? You are part of the natural world. The most natural tendency to being wronged is to mete out revenge. The Torah is asking you to take that aspect of yourself and hold it back. Don't mete out revenge. It's completely natural. It's the most potent expression of your animalistic nature. We feel this. When a person does us wrong, you feel every part of you wants to lash out back at them. But a Jew is asked to withhold from that. You don't mete out revenge. That is one of the lowest aspects of our experience. The way Rav Hirsch refers to, or the, 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 the terminology Rav Hirsch uses, is the most animal physical. To mete out revenge, to hurt another because they hurt you. It's interesting, from a theological standpoint, when we call out to God, we don't call out to God in the context of, we want God to let us have revenge. We say to God, you are Kael Nekoma Hashem. You are the one who meets out revenge. We don't ask to mete out revenge. Giving into that aspect of our the darker side of ourselves, giving into it, we are called upon not to do. But also the parallel opposite, we're called upon to do. The love that I experience for the self, I am asked to mete out to my fellow. So you have the most physical animal and the most godly moral. The physical animal withholding from revenge, staying out, having that framework and saying, no, you cannot break out of this framework. That's morality. Morality is experiencing a framework in the world and saying, I won't pass over it. But it's also on the positive. Love your neighbor like yourself. The most natural experience is to love oneself, but to extend that to your fellow. That's the, basically the categorization of morality. That is morality condensed, distilled. Don't mete out revenge, but love the other. Don't mete out anger upon the other, but take that thing that is so natural to give to yourself and extend it to the other. That is the moral framework. And what does Rafash say the Torah then asks us? The Torah then asks us to change our perspective at this point, to change our direction. Not we're growing. We've reached the pinnacle of what it means to be human. We are not pursuing evil and we are doing good. We then change our perspective. We then look back at the natural world and experience the natural world as that which obeys the divine law of le minor, according to its kind. The natural world, through no decision of itself, follows its natural course, follows its natural laws. And Rav Hirsch says the message of the Torah here is, in essence, you're doing the same thing. The natural world obeys its laws by its nature. It doesn't choose to. It obeys its laws. It obeys its, its instincts. It keeps separate from one plant to another. You as a human being are doing exactly the same. 
In essence, it's a downer too. It's saying you're not doing something particularly special. You are fitting yourself into the divine framework. The Torah for the Jewish people is our framework of how to live our lives, how to pursue the good, how to build a relationship with the Almighty. That is what we are called upon to do as humanity, be it Jew or non-Jew. But in essence, all we're doing is keeping within a framework like the natural world is. The only difference is we are doing it for our own free will, but an appreciation that we are in line with nature, that we are in line with the framework that nature is in line with. How we perceive that in the natural world is that things don't cross over. Animals that aren't the same animals don't reproduce. Plants and trees that aren't the same don't create new species. And once again, this isn't a scientific hypothesis, it's a phenomenological perspective. How I perceive the world, when I look into the world, I see the world act in a certain way. And I am being told that I am doing the same thing. I am fitting in with the framework that is called upon me to fit into, like the natural world is. And thereby, I am in line. I am living in line with my divine calling, like the plant is. But I am doing it from my own free will. I am doing it in a way that draws me in relationship to God. But the natural world does it naturally. And the reason why I think this is so key as an introduction, this fits right in line with Rav Hirsch's entire project that precedes Kharev. The project that precedes Kharev is the 19 letters. The 19 letters is his philosophical view of the world, where he invites his um, questioner, Binyamin, in a to-and-fro letter correspondence of questions that he has against Judaism, and he asks Binyamin to look at the natural world, but not look at the natural world as a scientist, not look at the natural world as a historian. Read the Torah from its standpoint, how it articulates the natural world. And Rav Hirsch says that if we take the Torah on its own standing, meaning what it claims to be, what do we have? We have an expression of giving. We have an expression of love in the natural world that you are asked to look at and take example from. The natural world is a harmonious orchestra. The language of harmony, of a song, is used because the natural world works, but not because he's describing it purely as an ecosystem from a scientific standpoint. He's describing it how we perceive it. We perceive it through the lens of the Torah as something that works together, that obeys laws, that obeys a framework. And then we, as humanity, are asked to obey a framework as well. We are asked to, like the natural world, adopt a framework, but choose it because of our own free will. He then develops the educational framework of humanity and the goals of the Torah in general. But that way of perceiving the natural world as not being something distant and disconnected. When I look at the natural world, I'm not supposed to look at it as a dead landscape of material. I'm supposed to look at it as a expression of God's will in the world. The natural world lives out the will of the Almighty, the wisdom of God. And I am asked to do the same, except I'm asked to choose to do it. So if we recap these points, Kalayim, what are those bizarre commandments? How am I supposed to connect to not mixing seeds? Well, the first answer is appreciate the context in which it emerges. This is a moral framework that we are asked to adopt, not to pursue revenge, to adopt 
love and then turn my vision to the natural world and appreciate that what I'm doing is like the natural world. I'm living in line with the natural world because the natural world is obeying the divine law and I am obeying the divine law as well. It's almost like a, a, a pause of humility that yes, I am living in line with the framework of reality, except I am choosing to do so. And that choice is what the, 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 the divine nature of human beings, that we choose to do what the natural world does naturally. But it allows a fittedness to the world, not this disconnected, disembeddedness that the or the, the modern perspective adopts, that we are this sort of like disconnected or not, um, we, are, we are sort of distant from the world. This is allowing us to look at the world as being part of the same mission, part of the same goal. It allows a fittedness to reality because they're both me as well as the natural world or obeying a divine law. We're obeying a divine framework. So by way of introduction, I hope this made sense. Have a wonderful week, and next week we will begin the process of Bosavachalov, Shadness, etc. Have a wonderful week. <laughs>